0: Hello, welcome back to the No Ratings podcast. I'm going to openly admit we've been trying to record for the last 30 minutes, but because of tech issues, it's not been possible. So I do apologise if the audio is a little bit choppy in the first couple of minutes. It will ease off, stay with us. Uh, Spurs have just played Arsenal, Chelsea are... I don't want to say, but in the mud. Um, Madison's being talked about on st- on similar levels to De Bruyne and Bruno and Erdegaard. We'll talk about all those things. Also, Newcastle's 8-0 as well. We've got James, Davina, myself. And we've also got a debut. CFC Dubois joins us. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. Thanks for having me on and nice seeing everyone.
0: Absolute pleasure. I have just asked you this. On the first version and effort of this record, so it won't be authentic to ask it again. However, the audience don't know, so I'm going to ask you again.
1: It's a player with the name Dubois. There is one Leo Dubois plays for Galatasaray, but I have no affiliation with him at all, so there's no comment on that. You just and there's a boxer,
2: on. There's a boxer, Daniel Dubois. <laughs> we
1: heard it the first time, James. I'm not gonna, I'm not
0: gonna praise you for your good knowledge a second time. <laughs> um, James, how are you? Uh,
2: I I've been better just just uh, just purely on a football note i've been better um because davina's smiling like she's just won the title when she's just drawn a northlander derby it's pathetic it's pathetic but <laughs> apart from that i'm very well thank you
0: come on davina tell us how are you <laughs>
3: yeah, why is james like why does he want smoke honestly yeah. <laughs> let me be happy um i'm i'm good i'm good from a football perspective life perspective sun is shining in london
0: you're smart. going to see abba later exactly i feel like you're one of those people that never has a boring like midweek or week you're always doing something uneven
3: yeah i feel like if i'm not doing something i feel really unproductive so i just block out my calendar every single day of the week
0: yeah fair play because that ain't me mate um, i'm taking my evenings off every single day um all right let's get into this if you're listening on spotify or any other pod- podcast podcasts podcast pod- i've never heard anyone say podcast before there you go um <laughs> any other podcast platform uh, make sure you follow the guys and also make sure you follow the podcast we will start with our guest dubois chelsea have lost again um you've had a bit of a riff with someone on social media who i know as well um Shall I shall I update the audience on this riff, or do you wanna do you wanna let them know?
1: Uh, you're you're talking about Olivia, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we have had a bit of a back and forth on the timeline yesterday. Both have differing opinions. On her perspective, she believes that Pochettino deserves more time. That the loss is part of the process, I guess. Um, to put it simply, whereas I'm kind of the view that Poch is is past and needs to go literally as soon as possible today if possible be great but yeah so that kind of was a rift yesterday so
0: just on this point of poch um (laughs) i I just i just read the tweet before he came on um so that's why i'm cracking up because i've got him next to me um what why are you two um disagreeing to such extent
1: should i say do you know each other personally no I've known I've known Olivia for almost a couple of years. Not a close level, but like we've been mutuals for a long time. So not, like guess, yeah, we, there's no bad blood. I hope. Yeah. So I, I, for those that are at home going right, what's going on? Let me read you
0: the tweet that Olivia tweeted. She said, "Genuinely, I don't know why I bother interacting with some people on here. However, it's nice to know there are some uh, normal, logical Chelsea fans that understand what's going on. And knowing that sacking a manager every five minutes is going to do absolutely nothing." um you've then replied with something but it's sort of like been lost in the conversation so the last reply of yours that I see is to be honest it's all opinions at the end of the day i respect yours but i have a different one it would be a dull platform if everyone agreed with each other olivia says true but i do just think some of you say stuff for the sake of it because it might be it might be what a certain part of the fan base want to hear not because you actually think it changing the manager after six games does nothing now you just clarified there you just said on a on a platform that requires more than just your fingers you said you
1: are more than half the to go right now i like for me it's like it is mo- it's multiple things that play into me saying this okay i understand it's a, it's a project when todd bowley spent what 1 billion pounds on this team there was a reason for it it wasn't just going to invest in short term it was quite clearly a long term project but if you look at chelsea from pre-season where Pochettino comes in with a style of play, we sign in Kunku, and Kunku seems to be the main guy in this team. Preseason, we were amazing. I, I honestly thought in preseason we're going to win the league, and I'm being 100% truthful. The way we played in preseason, you had we were dismantling teams like Newcastle, Brighton, Fulham, and then for me that was a clear enough sign that this was going somewhere because a new squad, 100 like one billion pounds, is going somewhere. First game of the season, he throws that all out the window. Chilwell's a left winger suddenly. All because of Nkunku's injury. Firstly, as a manager, if you're basing a system on one player being injured, that's a sackable offense, first of all. So it turns out Nkunku was the core of this entire project, five, ten-year project it was all based on Nkunku. Secondly, the only team we've beaten in that first six game is Luton Town. And if I was in the midfield for Chelsea, I would have probably scored that day. And I'm being dead serious now. Pochettino's in-game management as well, non-existent. He's he's making substitutions which don't make sense. Mudrik, he leaves him out, then he brings him back in, then leaves him out. It, there's no clear plan with Mudrik. And Davina is nodding here because it's pot slander. But this, at this point, I don't think <laughs> Martino is the right man for Chelsea simply because he hasn't been convincing. And if you haven't been convincing, when we statistically had the easiest start to the season compared to all the big sides, I think if you there's a table statistic-wise that Chelsea had one of the easiest first five, six games. Mm. If you look at our run between October and December, we've got United, City, Arsenal, yeah, Newcastle, Brighton Spurs back to back to back to back we're going to be in the relegation zone if we continue with this manager and I
2: I, can I can I I ask you a question Dubois uh do you think Graham Potter was harshly done by looking back or um do you think he was definitely not the right man anyway
1: I feel bad for Graham Potter because Graham Potter had that bloated squad he had the issues which Lampard said he had when he took over there's too many players people were we didn't have enough people, enough space in the changing room. You had guys in the hallway like Mudrik and them just chilling in the in the offices somewhere because they couldn't change in the changing room. So I feel bad for him because he didn't really have the resources. He had a squad, but a lot of them had... We had players like Ziyech who didn't want to be there. You had Kovacic who wants to leave. Uh, Kante was getting injured. He wants to go to Saudi. So I feel bad for him because he didn't have a perfect balance in the squad. But now we've got a squad. Yes, we spent one billion and you can't expect everyone to gel immediately, But this is a Chelsea side who are arguably the worst team in the league in 2023. If you look at the players we spent money on, yes, they need time, but it's not 20th level place time. This team, even with the time that we would give them, should still be in the top six, top seven. That's how I see it. And Graham Potter, I think, was harshly done by, yeah, in hindsight, but it's a bit late now.
0: Boy, if you strapped into um, no ratings and arrived a minute too late, you just missed some, some... Very honest uh, criticism. We, normally, what happens with no rated is we start like nice and easy, but by the end, people are arguing and fighting. Um, uh, Davina, you were nodding throughout the whole thing, but I think you were nodding because one, you love Poch slander. Two, yeah. um, I think you may even agree with the point around in game management, or were you actually just nodding because you're a bad guy? Nah,
3: uh, I was nodding because I just don't think that Poch has the quality to see out games. And you're so right, like with his technique of of being a manager the last time Pochettino played good football was 2017-18 because that 18-19 season if you think back right like cool we got to Champions League final but I remember not winning away since like February it was a joke and when he loses like key players like for example when Kane got injured he doesn't know how to if he has that one way of playing that like, everything goes through that one player like you're saying like if he built his whole philosophy around Nkunku and then he's gone kind of he loses his head and becomes really lost and the thing about the subs as well he makes bad subs and not often enough for us i remember at tottenham he wouldn't make a sub until the 60th 70th minute even if we were like two nil down and even the subs that he would make they wouldn't make sense so um i was nodding for the for the potch slander because i don't agree that he i completely agree that he is a bad manager and he needs like a project and The projects that Chelsea are working on and the project that he is suited for do not align because a club like Chelsea, how much I hate to say it, need to be up there competing for like top four, smashing these teams that they're losing against. I'm sorry, like Aston Villa have conceded what like three goals. How many times this season already? Three, twice, three times already. Three
0: times.
3: And for you guys, you guys have more red cards than goals in a game against Aston Villa is a bit of a joke. So I completely agree with uh, this Pochlander and the fact that he had game management.
2: Do you want to hear something interesting that I just looked up? Um, I know people hate expected goals and stuff like this, but just for context, Chelsea have the seventh most expected goals and the seventh uh, and the third least expected goals conceded. So I just think it's fascinating that if Nick Jackson hadn't been missing all of these chances, if he'd been performing to an average striker level we wouldn't be having this conversation. And that's why I disagree that you couldn't sack Pochettino now, because if you keep churning out managers like this, then no project's ever going to stick. You're going to have to, I didn't think Chelsea fans were going to have the stomach to go for a project. Now I do think you have had it very hard done by recently, because this is is a dark, dark project. You're in relegation form for the past like seven months, plus more even. but I just don't think, I think you're just going to have to stick with it because if you sack him now, you're not going to get top six anyway. You're not going to get Champions League this season. So why sack him now? Why not give him a little bit more time to try and turn things around?
1: James, the fact that you're saying that we're not getting Champions League, we're not getting six games into the season, like our season has been written off on like what, 26th of September is enough of a reason for me to think that this isn't Chelsea. Like you said, Chelsea fans don't have patience. Like any, any, I knew this before we signed watch. With a manager with a Spurs history in itself, it's going to cause problems one at one point or another. And Chelsea, I personally believe Chelsea should not be appointing managers for a long-term project because it doesn't fit the identity of our club. If you see our club, we've built our success on managers such as Jose Mourinho, Conte, Tuchel, pragmatic managers that win instantly. Tuchel won the Champions League within six months. And with that squad, that's almost a miracle Like with what he did winning that Champions League. I don't think a project is right, not just for Chelsea as a club in our history, but the fans, way too impatient. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it's just how we are. And we need to win. And if we don't win, it's just going to cause toxicity like it is now. That's what I think.
2: But is that sustainable? Is that sustainable for a club to be built on just flicking through managers and hoping that one is able to get the most out of a squad? Because, And I get the fan point a little bit, but I'd say probably 80% of Arsenal's fan base wanted Arteta out. At one point, not not myself, but eighty percent of them did. And he um, was trying to save himself. Just for the record, <laughs> I didn't say anything. People know, people know, people know. <laughs> um, but the Cronkies, the owners, went. Now we trust this guy. If Bowley is able to do that with Pochettino, the problem is, Pochettino has to be the guy for that to be the case. I think. And I still understand why he was sacked. But I think P- Potter was hard done by. I think they needed to give him more of a cycle to see if he was the guy. And now you're going to have to sack Poch, And then the next manager, what happens if he starts losing within 10 games? He's not going to have time to turn it around either. So I don't know. It's a sticky one.
1: I get that, to be fair. But it's like, the thing with me is that, it's like Chelsea, like I said again, it's like we're a club where, it's it's not sustainable, but that's kind of what we've been doing for the last well since Roman came in. And yes, it's not sustainable, but we haven't been unsuccessful. We we've been a really successful club. And yet, long term people might say it's not sustainable, but it's ruthless and it's worked in terms of winning trophies, which I think Chelsea people know Chelsea has a club that's gonna win trophies, even in our worst periods, we will come back and win a trophy somewhere. And I know you compared it to Arteta and Arsenal, but one big thing about difference I see is that Arteta had a squad which you look at then, and if you compare the squad you had under Arteta in his first couple of seasons to now, it's a huge, huge upgrade. We've made good signings, but it's questionable whether they're worth 1 billion, but they're good signings. Like Individually, the players are good. So I think we have to hold them to a higher expectation compared to the Arsenal squad you had, which genuinely some players in that squad, I know at the time, Ceballos, for example, players like them, that they weren't really your first toy, so they weren't great. And now you look at the side he's built, there's a clear project. There was a project which he's built upon and you challenge for the league. For me, if we're not seeing progress, I know it's six games into the season, but if there's no progress at all, I'd much rather have Frank Lampard back because he actually cares about the club. And yes, he doesn't get the results, but Podge isn't getting the results. But at least we have someone who cares. Um, but I know that's never going to happen. And ideally, I'd want Diego Simeone, but I've just got too much hate. I'm not going to say it again.
3: These guys are
2: down bad.
3: I saw something. You tweeted, didn't you, that you, your two options for the Chelsea manager were Andy Postacoglu and Diego Simeone. I was like, back off, stay away.
1: Mm-hmm. But Andy is a perfect example of why we should be more annoyed. Look at what he's done. He's lost Kane. Kane, I said this on a space yesterday. Kane is worth one billion to Spurs in my eyes, was worth one billion to Spurs in, in, in my eyes. That one billion was taken away from Spurs and they've improved. He's made something happen. Andy's made something happen. We've we've literally spent one billion and we've regressed i think it's on the manager
2: that's such a funny statement <laughs>
1: <laughs> it makes sense though i i
0: do get what you're saying in terms of like um if there was anything that if you were to try and line up spurs and chelsea that's probably the easiest way to do it like kane was actually worth i don't know about a billion but a crazy amount of money to top them um <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of like scratching my head. Cause I did in my head, I was going to ask you what's going wrong. What can you do? You're actually just going like it's Pochettino. And I say, were you, were you feeling better under Potter? Cause I remember when Potter was in the job, people were saying that Chelsea are stinking it up. And then you obviously had the game against yeah you said Luton where you actually looked okay. Um, but it, I know, I know, man, you're already grinning. Yes, it was Luton. I know it was Luton. And you said, if you played in midfield, you would have scored that day. Um,
1: was the feeling better under Potter? The feeling was still toxic under Potter. I feel Potter, like James said, is I feel he's been hard done by because we found out afterwards the problems in the change rooms, and with Potter, although it was wasn't great football, I will say yeah, uh, XG. Even though we took the piss out of it really when you were saying it, I actually was really good under Potter. We were winning games on XG. We couldn't finish. Again, similar problems to what we're having now, but the big difference I see with Pochettino and why I'm so hell-bent on wanting him out is these problems that we're having now is what ha- which problems he had in uh, like for Spurs when he was managing Spurs and there's a couple of accounts I've seen online who actually did a proper in-depth analysis on Pochettino and one of the key things they said is that sometimes he'll struggle to break down low blocks and against Luton Town is a big caveat to that game yes, we celebrated as if we won the Premier League because we were so happy to win a game in that first half, we were dreadful we actually only in the last 30 minutes um and again on another day we might not have even beaten Luton so I just I just don't think there's Potch has enough in him to turn this around and I know it's really crazy to say it so soon into the season but if we don't sack him now we're going to be in the relegation zone by Christmas
0: 100% you um tweeted this famous Mourinho quote when you start accepting defeats just because your team played well and just because your players gave their best a performance for people to be proud of I think that's that I think when you get used to it, that's when the big clubs stop being big clubs. Um, I didn't, I didn't actually know Mourinho said that, but it does sound like a very Mourinho thing to say. Um, all right, so Poch out basically is what you're saying.
1: Poch out today, if possible.
2: I think just, just to offer my perspective, something that I really don't like what Poch is doing right now. That Dubois said is changing his system. If you're losing. And start changing your system, that looks quite desperate, especially if you change it and continue losing. If you are losing and then persist with the same system and then turn things around, that shows that you actually trust yourself and you trust your, um, I guess, what you're doing. Whereas right now, he keeps flicking between Chilwell left wing, three at the back, Colwell left back. It doesn't look like there's much of a plan going on. He's just going, all right, these are good players, stick them on the pitch. So that that's a big red flag to me. But I think we'll he's see. just
0: under massive pressure. Like I just think he's in this position now where he's going, he's probably also looking at the fixture list and thinking in the next six games after the next one, we might pick up three points. And then he's going, Then I will get sacked by December. Like I think he's actually probably now he's got to the point where he's going, I just need to get points on the board any which way. And he's sort of going, I've got all these players. Can I put Mudric on? Can you save me? Can I put Someone else on, can you save me? Sterling, can you save? And he's got to the point where he's actually now going, listen, nobody's saving me. I'm in bother here. Um, I just don't know if sacking a manager, depending on who you get, really. and true. If you go and get Diego Simeone, then flip a neck. But I don't think he's leaving Affletti anytime soon. Um, if you go and sack a manager, like, I don't know who else you get, then you're stuck in... you It's just like, I get it. Chelsea's model is deliberately unsustainable, but actually, technically, you could say it is sustainable because it's carried on going this way since Roman was there. Um, I just wonder if you're just actually actually out of managers to go for.
1: It's a funny step. I mean it's a funny point because it is true. We've gone through like I think if Poch gets sacked, we'd have had six in the past year, which is quite crazy. But um another point I think added to this, which I know people will sort of come back and say you have eleven injuries. I've seen this so much, it's like it's too early because we have eleven injuries, but you've got to consider the how, what difference would it make if we had, okay, Reese and Kunku probably the two main injuries that we have at the moment. If they come into the side, would they transform the side enough for us to go from 14th place to challenging for top four minimum, which is what we should have been doing? I don't think so. I don't think there's an excuse for this start. I mean, I have one point of view, which I sort of agree with in a way, which is not pointing the blame towards Poch completely, is we didn't invest the £1 billion correctly, which I completely agree with. Mm. And players like Leao, Mike Mignon, could have signed them they would have come. We'd have paid a lot of money, but I'd rather have spent big money on two or three proven big-name big, big name signings who are going to add value to the team as opposed to under-21 model where we're just signing anyone in South America who's under-21 and just hoping he's a hit in five years' time. I'd prefer we didn't... Who
0: do. Who is responsible for that,
1: would you say? Honestly, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say, can you name all of the players you're signing? <laughs> oh, you're no, like, like David Washington on the bench, who I've never seen yeah. in my life, he spawned onto the bench. A guy called Ronnie Stutter spawns onto the bench. That's, a fake, the That's a fake name. That's a fake name. AI generated names after spending one billion pounds—it just blows my mind.
0: I swear, Davina, you might remember this from Spurs days. This actually feels like a, a. You know where Spurs had that window when Bale left, and you mm-hmm. actually he signed seven players.
3: Luck. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I remember seeing Soldado, guys right?
3: Soldado, Paulinho, Lamella, Ericsson... Yeah,
0: it was a mess. Bro, I've just Googled Ronnie Stotter. It doesn't even come up. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> we, we don't know him. Random guy on the bench. Um Also,
2: I was just going to say, the problem with Reese James talk, oh, we're going to get better when Reese James comes back. He's never fit. It's not, this isn't like it was a freak injury. He's never fit. You cannot rely on a player like Reese James.
1: And that's your not- club captain. This is exactly what I want to say. Another criticism of Pochettino. He's made Rhys James our club captain, who's in a and for about 320 days a year. You've got vice-captain Ben Chilwell, who's also in a and for about 230 days a year. And our vice-captain vice is Conor Gallagher, because he can speak English. Thiago Silva's there. Thiago Silva is... And I'm not even joking. He said that Conor Gallagher is captain ahead of Thiago Silva, because he can speak English or Enzo. You've got Thiago Silva. He's almost 40 years old, played at the top level. And he's now not being captain of Chelsea, even though he's been obviously a fan favourite and a leader. Because Conor Gallagher can speak English. For me, I don't, I don't see what's going on there. What did Mexico...
2: Thiago Silva used to be captain though? For you,
1: he was under previous managers like Potter. Where what, I think what, he... Did he forget? Did he forget how to speak English? Yeah, he's, he's, I don't know if that's discriminatory or not. But having an English requirement for the captaincy roles of the club for me is.
3: But Conor Gallagher almost left you this summer. He was linked with Tottenham. That's why I was he so shocked he to see him with the captaincy armband.
1: Next thing I see, he's leading the team out. So for me, it, it's. By the bad.
2: way, can he not be the scapegoat? Because he's actually been all right this season. From what I've watched, he's yeah. actually been nowhere near as bad. But after every game, they'll be like, why is Conor Gallagher starting, not Palmer?"
1: Nah, when I'm watching, Conor Gallagher is fine. Yeah. gallagher good. It's just the point that he's in the lead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of, I, like, I agree with that.
0: I agree with that. It's, it's so funny to me because um I, I don't know if either of you two were there for the episode, but Trajista said if Conor Gallagher had dreads, he'd be playing for Palace. Um, and now he's at Chelsea and he speaks English and they're praising him for it Um, uh, right uh, for those that have been uh, listening, Dubois is now going to leave us, unfortunately, because of uh, technical issues. We're going to switch to ZenCaster, And although he's very ready to rip into YouTube, because YouTube would just be sat, sat here, just like <laughs> basically just <laughs> taking the knife in on him. Now he's got a chance to do it. He's, he's having to go off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Any, any uh, passing comments, Dubois, on um, Arsenal and Spurs? Because I, I feel quite bad that you're going to have to go. They're just going to have a nice little ring a ring of rosies with each other, and you're going to be going over there fuming, like breaking your windows and whatnot because uh, you ranted about go. yeah um,
1: well firstly thank you for having me on again just before I go but passing comments um, about the Spurs Arsenal game I was impressed with Spurs more so than Arsenal just because I'm going to be completely like unbiased here and just not make any like unserious comment I just think that this game if it had been played last season without Ange I don't think Spurs I think after that first Arsenal goal, it just it becomes 1-0, 2-0, 3-0. I just think the way Spurs kept coming back, that's a sign of a manager that's trusted by his players and a sign that Spurs could do big things against an Arsenal side who are clearly good and obviously going to challenge for the league again. So I think for me, all I, all I could see there is it just showed me that Spurs Spurs are going to be something serious for other teams to worry about this season.
2: But Who do you think finishes ahead?
1: It's a big question because I was asked to predict the Premier League table at the start of the season, and I put Chelsea first, City second, Arsenal third. And I put. You put do you put uh, Nico Jackson top scorer by any chance? He was baby jogger in pre season, and now he is. Yeah, uh, I remember your
0: tweets. I remember your tweets, bro- brother. I was <laughs>
1: following from a distance. <laughs> yeah, no, let, we won't talk about Nick Jackson, but I think Arsenal will finish above Spurs, but I can see Spurs finishing top four. All right. Wow. Wow. Thank you for hopping on.
0: Yeah, I
2: appreciate
3: it. Thank you. It. Take Thank
0: you. care, guys. Right. Dubois has left us. Let's talk Arsenal Spurs. Davina, our Spurs fan. James, our Arsenal fan. Who wants to start here? I think it's Davina because she's like literally, she's like halfway out of a chair, slanting towards <laughs> the side. She's like, let's just have this conversation already. Look um, how happy
2: she is, Nive. Look how she's happy she's been... she is. She
0: drew. Bro, we, we we went to sixes a couple of weeks ago. Not even. Last week. No, no, and, no. and Davina wasn't even that happy. But And, and what she did at sixes, <laughs> uh, I have to speak about this one. I have to speak about this one. It was a disaster class. Um however, you're not very happy. But I, I am- want to know why. Like explain it to me. Why are you so happy?
3: Do you know what? I am always terrified when this fixture comes around. I mean, the North London derby growing up, we've always got battered at the envelopes. I mean, I think the worst one for me was like the 4-2. Um, in 2018, you know, when Dyer scored first and then he shifted the Emirates. And then, yeah, then <laughs> we were 2-1 up and then lost 4-2. But, yeah, no matter how good Tottenham have been in the past, going to the Emirates, we always seem to just ha- have absolute nightmare. And people have been sceptical of buying into this Ange Postacoglu philosophy and the playing style. And, you know, we had the second easiest... First couple of games, and you know, United doesn't count, and Arsenal was our first test. And to go toe to toe with Arteta this early on into the Andrew era, how can I not be happy? <laughs> Tell me, what, what was that for me? I mean, apart from one of my favourite players, Romero, having a bit of a nightmare, own goal, giving away the pen, which we'll talk about a bit later on because I'm still a bit unsure about what he's supposed to do with his arm. But uh, I can... For me, this early on into the season, it's just a positive... It's a step in the positive direction. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not happy because I am.
2: By the way, can I just say, I don't blame you for being happy. I think you... You have every right to be happy, but this shows the standards, Davina. This shows you're (laughs) you're absolutely delighted to go toe to toe with Mikel Arteta's Arsenal. We had a very poor game, and you had a very good game, and we still drew. And I'd argue that we should have probably won the game as well, which shows absolutely. Gabriel Jesus at one, 0 up, missed an absolute sitter. Had he had he scored that, we would not be having this conversation. Richarlison
3: could have scored at the end. So we got blocked. We both, we both have a bit shaky of the of strike force up there, so...
2: Um. <laughs> Put some respect on my striker's name, please. He's a brilliant striker. Respect just respect on Brazil's finish.
3: number nine. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> we were supposed to talk about this a bit later as well. Anyway, um I can't remember what we were saying, but um our floor is their ceiling right now. You have every right to be excited about that, but right now... Wait, what? Let me... Let me hear that one more time, a bit clearer. Our floor is their ceiling. We played at our worst, they played at their best, and we drew. That's the point. (laughs) Am I wrong? Am I wrong?
3: I don't think we played at our worst. I think that's definitely not the... Sorry, I don't think we played at our best. Because we had players who had very shaky games, which I think, you know... So we I've always go to games like this and say, "Play, play the game, not the occasion." And every time we go to the Emirates, it just kind of shakes us a bit. Like Destiny Udogi on a on a yellow card so early on, I was scared that we were going to absolutely capitulate. It was going to be like a sending off that we've had so many times, like Emerson last season. And I don't think we that was our best performance. Like we had, like Madison giving the ball away, and then Jason just like, absolute messed that up, but. Yeah, I don't agree that that was our our best performance. And this claim that your floor is our ceiling is wild to me. The absolute disrespect.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not of that. Um, what I do find interesting is both of you are relatively happy. I'm
2: not yeah, happy. Let's, I'm you're not, let's absolutely it, not happy. You know, I'm just a There's smiley of... guy. I'm so angry <laughs> down inside.
0: Thing is, I I. Agree and disagree with both points. I don't think Arsenal were horrible. I also don't think Spurs were brilliant. I actually thought you met somewhere in that Spurs played better than they can and Arsenal played worse than they can. However, I don't think Spurs were so brilliant and that's why they got a point.
2: We, okay, that's fair. Let's not. Spurs weren't necessarily at their best, but Spurs played well. And we, I cannot emphasise, we played, aside from that first 30 minutes, atrociously. Our level of technical ability that game, the amount of pass... David Raya, um, Erdegaard's pass accuracy was 38% in the first half. I don't know what... I don't know what was going on. It was... I I think there was talk of it being a hangover from the PSV game because of the, the emotional baggage that that brought with us. And then we came to this game... Also needing to wait the emotional
0: baggage of playing PSV.
3: You won. No, because that... it was our
0: first Champions League game in, in seven years. So the wait, players. No, no, Be real, be real with me here. Do you think Gabriel Jesus is going into the PSV, PSV game having just played Champions League football with emotional baggage?
2: No, not really. But the but the <laughs> the feeling around the club was that was a massive no, but, game.
0: But, but for you, definitely there may be emotional baggage. You're an Arsenal fan, you've watched Arsenal's journey in the Champions League, maybe Arteta, but Saliba's not feeling emotional baggage. Um, Raya's not feeling it with Ramsdale's not nah, feeling it these players are not feeling emotional Rams. baggage of a Champions League game that they, they they've playing, never they
2: played were, they were playing they were playing uh, the Champions League anthem in the dressing room on like the week it was a massive thing for them Odegaard
0: unless I'm wrong he's never played in the Champions League before a lot of these players it was their Champions League debut in the words of Gary Neville if you're playing the Champions League theme a week before the Champions League you need to be less emotional that's what's wrong with his Arsenal side they're too emotional <laughs> yeah and <laughs> then
2: same bloke is praising Spurs for their for the way they're celebrating and praising them for being emotional.
0: It's a joke. Emotions can be taken out of context, my friend. In the same way, I'm praising Davina for being happy here. I'm praising you for keeping it together here. Two things can the two things can coexist.
2: Well, I was I was over it until I as <laughs> as you know I said I was over it today,
0: and you've you've brought up these raw emotions again. You're the, trying to you're trying to level squeeze of-
2: them out of me again. <laughs>
0: the levels of stupidity from you to be about to record a podcast and be like I'm over the game I was like no James we need you on the game you're about to record a podcast you can't be over it five minutes before recording
2: don't worry you've, you've got you've got me rattled again so you, you've done your job you've
0: done your job that's, that's what we get paid for except we don't get paid for the podcast but that's on me um uh Davina you obviously were very happy with Spurs Uh, I want to chat about Madison. I want to chat about Son. We'll touch on Madison in a second. Um, Do you feel like that was the sort of game where people could now go, actually, you know what? Because people have already been saying Spurs are definitely going to get in the top four. We just spoke to Dubois who thinks Spurs will get in the top four. Do you think that's the sort of game where you go, actually, you know what? Last season, we got whacked in this game. You play Liverpool next. If you avoid defeat against Liverpool, are we actually going, actually, you know, this might be the norm. This might be what the new Tottenham is.
3: The thing is, I've watched a Tottenham side be top of the table at like end of November and then capitulate and finished eighth. So I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Like that was a season under Mourinho, like COVID Mourinho ball. We beat City, we drew against Chelsea, I think we drew against Liverpool. No, we lost 2-1 against Liverpool. But it was like all of those, I've been through that. Wow, we're the real deal. And then for it to come falling down but
0: that's what I mean though It does this time does it feel different this time genuinely not even trying to get you to say something so James gets onto you <laughs>
3: uh, I've not felt like this about the Spurs team the vibes around the team the style of play and the belief since probably we started the season that we finished third in against Leicester and then the season mm. after that we finished second against Chelsea the the positivity around the team and I have I've bought into the Antipostokoglu philosophy, and I don't know if it's too early, but I'd say we should be pushing for top four if we avoid defeat against Liverpool, because that's also another cursed fixture that we always have against Liverpool, regardless of whether it's at home, we can see cheap goals, even if we are the best team. Last season, the 2-1 when we lost against Liverpool at home, I have genuinely thought that we were the best team, and it was just like... <sighs> Atrocious well, so, are, are you going to
0: uh, say... You're not getting a headline out of her. You're not getting it. Uh, no, no. I'm waiting for her to say, but our best is uh, their worst, you know? So... Yeah, sorry. Um, like, yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: I, I just... I think if we avoid defeat against Liverpool, we've got quite a, a nice couple of games after that that we can build that momentum up even further. I then do think we're, we should be aiming for the top four. And this is bearing in mind, like two or three weeks ago when I was on the pod last... I said that our goal should be seventh and a cup run. And the performances that I've seen, albeit against some really poor teams at the beginning of the season, that, that vibe and the style of play against Arsenal to not capitulate in a game of that magnitude has exceeded my expectations. And I do think, avoid defeat at the weekend against Liverpool, we should be challenging top four.
0: The thing I would say is, you can see an own goal, and you can see the penalty.
3: Exactly,
0: I, I completely agree that in previous years, I know for a fact Spurs are not getting out of that game alive. Um,
3: Definitely not. When I saw, when I saw that own goal go in, and then I saw like Destiny Joki get on that yellow, and that's the player who's responsible for man marking Saka. And you know Brennan Johnson started, and he wasn't exactly coming back to help him. I even tweeted during the game like. What are you doing? Go back and help him because <laughs> man's on a yellow, one wrong doing? foot, and we got oh, we got <laughs> ten men. So I was I was very on edge. And then Saar was on a yellow, Basuma was on a yellow. It's so easy for us to capitulate in a game like that, and we didn't. The mentality of this squad, I'm, I'm impressed. And come back so quickly on the back of going one-nil down, one one, two, two one down, two two, brilliant. And I think that's a big sort of positive of making Hyunmin Son our captain. There were so many people who were like, Son is washed. He shouldn't be captain. He's not vocal enough. He's not a leader. And when I went to that fan forum last week, I heard him speak and he said, you know, that he wants to be a different kind of captain. He wants to show, he wants to show and lead by example of what he does on the pitch. And that's exactly what he did. Like scoring that goal, such composure. Madison as well. I know we're going to speak about it later. He's just, he should be up there in that conversation. At this point in time, on the form that he's on, six goals and assists in his first six games, up there with one of the most informed midfielders in the world right now.
2: Nive, do, do you hear? Oh, sorry, sorry. How One,
3: was, how one draw,
2: that? one draw against Arsenal. Absolutely waxy lyrical. It's changed her life. She's absolutely like. But I do, Davina, I do respect how tempered your expectations are. You say, like, oh, this is incredible, this is incredible. We've changed the mentality. So we should be aiming for top four. And then when you said that Madison, you were like, Madison, in form right now, is one of the best midfielders in the world. I respect, I respect that you're not giving him a single headline. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, I'd, I'd like to oppose that. Um, Spurs were decent, but we were also just shit. Um, next week is a big challenge. Where is it? It's at, um, that's Tottenham.
3: That's out Tottenham. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know who I want to win. Actually, I know that's going to sound ridiculous, but um, wow. Liverpool are challenging what? this season. Liverpool at, are challenging. At
3: any point in my life, if I ever said that someone playing Arsenal and I didn't back the other team, I would be disgraced. I, Liverpool. I be disgusted.
2: Li- me, Liverpool. Me, as in Arsenal. <laughs> we. Um, <laughs> me
0: as in Liverpool. Me as in Arsenal.
2: <laughs> Arsenal, Liverpool, and City are challenging for the title this season. Maybe it's a little bit early to say that about Liverpool. We'll see. Um, We're challenging for the title this season. Now, if that means Tottenham have to take some points off Liverpool, then so be it. Because I would rather Tottenham beat Liverpool and challenge for the title. um, Because I'm not worried about Tottenham. I'm not worried about you. As you said, you're aiming for top four. We're not aiming for top four. We're aiming for for their big stuff. Um, Which is
3: understandable, because how many years into your rebuild are you? We're seven games in. Exactly. We're coming off the back of Conte ball, which made me hate going to watch Tottenham play every single week. Like, oh no, it's another home game. Like I'm gonna have to watch us lose. Last game of the season, we lost. It was absolutely shambolic. The vibes around the club were disgraceful. And to finally be excited about watching Tottenham play at home and away every single day on Twitter, I'm like five days until i get to watch ball back.
0: oh brother have i seen these tweets i want to mute you like day. i want to mute specific numbers and tweets and things about five days four days free i'm like we get it davina we get it you're excited you like Angeball, ball i understand what what i think Ange has done really
2: really well actually is build that culture around the club that clapping and celebrating with the fans things like this these small things that make a difference that if results started going against you people would still have his back so much more than a manager who goes and just doesn't even turn up to press conferences, plays uninteresting football. So I think whatever happens this season, even if you came fifth, for example, your your fans are going to back him to the hilt because of the way he's got everyone basically fighting for the same corner. So I think I like Ange. Mm, I'm not sure if I go that far. He's he, he, he seems... You like him, don't he lie, he he lie. No, I don't, I don't I hate how much everyone loves him It bothers me, it bothers me I don't mind him I don't mind him um, I think
0: he's a delightful chap He's refreshing to the league, he's a different sort of character this I, I can understand why as an arsehole It's not PR It's not The guy who's doing this when he's in Japan <laughs> like, This is his personality, James <laughs> No, I mean your PR, not Andrew's You bigging up Tottenham. Oh. Hey, listen <laughs> I don't want to speak about this one. <laughs> I have just looked at the record between Spurs and Liverpool. I honestly, I was going to say to you, Davina, no, our record's not that strong, but Liverpool have, are unbeaten in six against Spurs at Spurs, which is yeah. crazy to me. Um, and You always score in the game, but you always lose, which is I think the last game
3: that we won against you guys was the 4-1 at Wembley. Yeah. I was there. I was there. I was there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Mo Salah scored from a ridiculously tight angle, that's all I remember. Yeah, um, you had,
3: didn't you have mini-laying goal
0: then? We did, we did. Right, you didn't even need to shoot, you'd score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad times. Um, uh, quickly on the Arsenal standpoint, obviously we've spoken about the game and lots of people have. Um, Arsenal's number nine thing keeps getting talked about and I actually think it is genuinely worth the conversation because the Gabriel Jesus moment is the first one that comes to mind. Um, He actually had two moments. The one that was on the left-hand side where Saka crossed it into him. I don't really think that was a chance. It was a half a chance. But then there's the one where he pinches it off Madison and puts it Mm. into the stand. I don't even know why he took it so quickly or why he was so rash. It was so bizarre. Then I go end of last season. We had a conversation on the podcast where I was like, he's erratic in front of goal. He's not a killer. And at times you needed a killer. And then there's the Eddie Nketiah moment. And I do think Eddie Nketiah is much more of a number nine than... Um, like a a box striker if you like than Jesus then he had the moment where he didn't poach in at the back post from the corner that's a tiny detail but this sort of leads me full circle back to a few tweets I was seeing yesterday about Ivan Tony to Arsenal potentially Um, firstly just thoughts on the number nine situation Um, as harsh
2: as it is I don't think Nikkei is good enough Um, he is a top four a top four level backup striker and I appreciate what he's given us, but his talent has a ceiling, especially if you compare him to Jesus, for example, you watch them side by side and Ketia just cannot recreate some of the things Jesus does. It's not his fault, it's just not within his ability. Um I yeah, as I say, he just shouldn't really be starting for a title winning side. He doesn't start in our first eleven, but even still, you've got to be able to use a full squad in the Champions League and in the Premier League. Um so he's I guess, part of the biggest problem, Gabriel Jesus isn't good enough at finishing and will, that will always remain the case because he's a very emotional footballer, I think. Um, mm. And I think that kind of explains why he did that with the chance he had at the weekend. He, was, he managed to get the ball, take it away, and then he's gone, right, let me smash it. You don't need to smash it. The best strikers place that in the corner. I'm not going to talk about Son, but that's exactly what Son did against him.
0: Um, I will put out there, I think Son... In my eyes, is the best non-number nine finisher that I've seen in the Premier League. Mm. Statistically, as well. Statistically, he's uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the bet
2: like mo- players who've overperformed the XG across the years consistently, like forty percent. Him and Kane, uh, which That's was crazy. why Mourinho just had a cheat code where he just stuck nine men behind the
0: ball and then Son and Kane. You. I'll be real. I know people didn't enjoy that football, but when it clicked, it was so nice to watch. Yes. <laughs> There's, there's one goal that
2: sticks to mind, especially. Davina, you'll remember, you won 2-0 and Son scored that goal against Leno. You know where Kane gets the ball on the halfway line. He pinned someone. I can't remember who he pinned. And then he just flicks it to Son. Son picks up the ball on the left wing, completely unthreatening position, and then just bends it top corner. And I've looked at that and gone, nothing, nothing we could have really done about that. I've gone like, mm. Kane's got the ball in an undangerous position, gives it to Son from 30 yards, just like whips it top corner. You're just like, what can you do? And then you just sat back for the rest of the game and then scored another goal at the end, I think.
0: Mm. Um, one of yeah. on, one man. of Son's uh, best habits, I think, is when he gets in front of goal. He's the only player I've seen sit Alisson down multiple times because his finishing is so, has got so many different variations. You know, there's certain strikers like, when Vardy used to go clean for a goal, I always knew he was going to hit it hard across the keeper. Um, when Drogba used to go clean on goal he used to normally put it like if he was the right side of the box he'd blast it in their post whereas Son, because he's two-footed it obviously helps sometimes he closes his foot on it sometimes he opens his foot on it um, I find it um, very, very good more Spurs prop that's why Davina's just like yeah, yeah, keep it coming uh,
2: and just to go back to Tony um, there's a lot about it that I like but also something that we suffer from a little bit at the moment is you'll have noticed without Martinelli in the team we have no threat in behind um mm. and if you have if you add Tony to the mix, then you've got let's say Tony, uh, Saka and if Martinelli's not fit, Trossard, Jesus left wing, we still don't have that pacey man in behind. So men is a bit of a pipe dream, but he's the sort of player that you would be able to thread in behind. You've constantly got that threat, whereas Tony, he's more of a player that can pin a defense and flick it on a little bit like Kane in that aspect. Um I think he's a quality player, especially for the prices that I've seen touted would be a lot more of a smart signing than, um, some of the names I've seen floating around like Evan Ferguson, 150 million.
3: Mm.
0: Hey, the boy Brighton are going to make money on Evan Ferguson. <laughs> boy. Um, I, they, I think it's come to a point where I think Deserby's playing him just because he knows people are watching. Yeah. Um, because he's got Xiao Pedro on the bench and he's just like, the has got him in his FPL team. First of all, make sure he does not start. Um, all right, before we let you go, I did promise a Madison conversation, but uh, I think this conversation is going to get talked about a lot during the season. And we also spoke about it on the Insight. If you haven't listened to the Insight, then go back and listen to that. Me, uh, Raj and Curran went into sort of the tactical details of the game. Um, James Madison, I'll go to Davina first, because obviously you're naturally a massive Madison fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say, before James accuses me of being a Spurs sympathiser, I've been back in Madison since day. Um, mm-hmm where where does he rank for you in terms of creative midfielders cuz you got bruno in the league Odegaard, Madison. I'm trying to think, or maybe just creative players actually um who else we got in the league that you'd maybe go as like a similar de bruyne obviously but i think he's on a different planet enzo um, enzo to an extent but we don't really see i him just want Chelsea. to put him in the
2: conversation so we, so i can hear him be put bottom <laughs>
3: could you put james wolpraws
0: Mm, maybe from a standpoint of set piece creativity but in terms of open play creativity Mm -hmm. um but yeah where where would you have madison
3: i'd say right now i said i'm being careful with my expectations i'd say i'd
0: put him top do you you say i'm being careful with my expectation i'll put him top
3: yeah yeah. as, as in right now because the thing is when he went down and he was down for like nearly five minutes what i realized is that if we lost him that would be my hope and dreams with Tottenham also dying, because those that, were the worst couple of minutes. But that's not my the life.
2: barometer to how good a player is, just because your team no, relies I know, I know. on him <laughs> so
3: much. That's, that, that's how important he is to Tottenham, and I think his creativity, like I know we don't count like pre-assists, but the runs that he makes to get those goals in—that was two assists for him against Arsenal. He's got the goal threat; he can put those free kicks in. I think James Madison, the impact that he has on Tottenham. And the creativity that he can create, pocket of space out of nothing, tops all of the other creative midfielders in the league right now. Right now, um, right now. I mean, Kiwi's not there. Otherwise, uh, he's clear for me. But yeah, where you, James. Where, where are you ranking? James? I was
2: actually. What I was going to say is, you said we don't include pre-assists. Um, I, I will be including pre in my argument, um, which okay. is why Martin Erdegaard is better than James Madison. And um I'd have him in the same conversation as Bruno. I don't wanna I don't wanna make sweeping statements. I think they're both both excellent players, both different players. In my team I'd prefer Erdegaard, but for if I was to look if you needed to replace Madison, I think you'd be better off having Bruno
0: in that team okay. than Erdegaard because you need more of a player with output going. I was going to say, if you had a just a team, let's say you had a blanket team to start with, obviously for you, Odegaard's first. Um, who would you have as your number ten? That's really the question.
2: Well, I don't see Odegaard as a number ten.
0: Yeah, that's why I said take Odegaard out.
2: And then you're, and then we're debating who, Fernandez and Madison.
0: Fernandez and Madison, because I think that's probably the closest. KDB comparison. is
2: undisputed first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Bruno or Madison? Yeah, I take I take Bruno. I really do like Madison, but we're six games in. Can we can we temper expectations a bit? We'll see. He, you earn right you earn your stripes.
0: I I think we Raj spoke about this like zone of influence yesterday, and if you don't know what that is, but I feel like we're going to use that quite a bit on here. It's, it's taken from someone else. I can't remember the person's Twitter name for the life of me. Um, basically, zone of influence is uh, how many different zones can a player influence a game in. And the feeling is that Madison does it in various different zones and Bruno less so. Um, I I think it's really difficult to compare number 10s, right? Because you're comparing creative players who are judged on their creative output. And that then combines in how the team's doing, um, how the strikers are doing, um, how, like, what's going on at the club. Manchester United and Spurs right now are chalk and cheese. They're worlds apart. But if I had to compare two players and go, who do I trust more? Who do I think over the course of their Premier League career would I rather have in my team? I would rather have Madison. Because um, I also want to dominate the ball. And I also want to play progressive football. And I also want to catch teams out uh, in more ways than just one. Um, and I just think, in my opinion, um, maybe it's situation. Maybe it's Manchester United. I don't know. But I think Madison fits into more teams because he contemporary style of play. Uh, And I don't feel like Bruno can. Um, Or maybe we haven't seen it yet.
2: That's fair. That's fair what you're saying about he can fit into more teams. But if you're saying specifically the number 10 role, I think Bruno is better at the number 10 role. And it's it's very hard to say that now because recency bias, Bruno has been bit stinky lately I don't like the way he's been in all
0: fairness though if you if you go back to like when since he first came to the league that first season he was unbelievable his output was outrageous since that point his output has dropped off a cliff and his performances have as well um
2: I still think it's over exaggerated a bit I think his output dropped because he started getting involved deeper more and I think yeah he was he's being used in a way where he's not most effective, as Raj said, his zone of influence where he's best is outside of the box. That's where he needs to be. So I don't know I, why. I think Raj, uh,
0: Raj was actually saying Madison's zone of influence is greater than Bruno's.
2: No, yeah, he's no. He, Madison's zone of influence is greater, as in, is more Overall. wide covering. Oh,
0: you listened but, to the episode? Raj did say that about Bruno. No, nice. it,
2: funnily enough, I, I didn't. So, oh, you guessed it. <laughs> great, <American laughs> like, um, but. In that zone 14 is what it's called, just outside the box, um, I think Bruno is more effective.
0: Um, Did you want to throw in a zone 11 by any chance to be in or anything like that?
3: Oh, I was just going to say that you are right. Like, <laughs> I completely rate Bruno and I know that he gets a lot of sand on Twitter, but recently, bias, Madison up there, but he wasn't absolutely like Leicester's standout player last season. So I, I don't think over the course of his Premier League career that I would take Madison over Bruno. Like, I'm. I've always been a big fan of Bruno, and you're so right. His output massively dropped when he decided to drop deeper. And the thing I like about Madison that he's improved, the end like towards the end of last season and the beginning of this season, that he's not afraid to run on the wings, and he can help out our wingers. And like when he turned Saka, lol. Um, that I don't think that's something that I'm I don't right. think that's a quality that Bruno. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think that's a quality that Bruno has, which is why I think. As a creative player, not as a actual number 10, like as a creative output, Madison is above Bruno. Um,
0: all right. I'm gonna leave you on some biased producer stats, stroke presenter stats. Um Madison at Leicester last season, uh, ten goals, nine assists, Bruno Fernandez at Manchester United last season. Eight goals, eight assists. Madison also played eight less games. Um, so you can make of it what you will. Wherever you're listening, uh, obviously tweet us at No Ratings Pod. Follow the guys as well on social media, and uh, we'll see you next time.